0: hey everyone welcome to the honest as a mother podcast i am your host amanda and i am here to help break down walls have conversations and normalize all aspects of motherhood this shit is so hard we need to band together let down our walls and start talking about what motherhood is really like welcome back to season two of honest as a mother. You're back with Amanda. And today I have a very cool guest who you guys don't even realize was so requested. (laughs) Um, I did, I recently did an Instagram poll of like, you know, what would people want to hear on season two of honest as a mother? And a lot of you were asking for, can we talk about how I can stop yelling at my kid? Can we talk about how i should be disciplining my children time in time out screen time no screen time all of that good stuff so i actually have already set this up for you guys so i hope you are excited as excited as i am for my friend tamara souls she and i met on facebook actually during a um, a mutual podcasting group and she is a psychologist that lives in montreal and she is the girl that you want to talk to when it comes to disciplining your children. Um, so welcome, Tamara. Thank you so much for coming on the Honest as a Mother podcast.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for, for having me. Oh, it's
0: my pleasure. I, and you have no idea how many people you're pleasing right now.
1: <laughs> I like the sound of that. You know what? Yeah. The truth is it's because We've all been in that boat, and so I'm not surprised that people are asking those questions because we've all been there, and including myself, so I'm happy to shed some light on that today.
0: Awesome. Me too. I'm excited to dive into it. So Tamara, why don't you please introduce yourself a little bit for my listeners?
1: Sure. So as you said, I am Tamara Souls. I'm a psychologist based in Montreal, and my practice um, focuses primarily on early childhood mental health which means that I focus a lot of my work on helping parents with kids in those early, you know, birth through six in particular years because they're so challenging for so many reasons, mm-hmm. not the least of which we're often exhausted while trying to parent at those, those stages. Um, but I also work with older kids and teens as well, but my passion is really in that early childhood mental health phase. So I do a lot of parent coaching work and I work from the framework of um, interpersonal neurobiology, meaning I focus on using the relationship to help um, your child's brain development, you know, unfold in an, an optimal as optimal way as we can we can provide for them.
0: Oh, that is so cool! And I'm so happy to have you because, personally, I'm sure I can speak on all of mothers around the world. I think one concern that we all have is, am I doing this right? Am I totally screwing them up for life? Um, I know that we all can reflect on how our parents did it. And like, as we know, generation for generation, everything changes. So we're all like, my parents did this and this was not cool because they did this, this and this to me. And as we're parenting and you hear your parents come out of your own mouth, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to screw them up just like they screwed me up. And you know, how do we fix this? And, you know, you start Googling and you can just go down a rabbit hole of like, I've done it where I've been like, okay, I'm doing timeouts and I'm being very stern and I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Okay. Now I have to do this. And then you read something else and it's like, okay, that's going to screw them up too. Okay. (laughs) I got to do this. So it I am welcoming all the advice that you have from a professional standpoint. So I appreciate you so, so, so much. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So something that actually kind of drew me to you as well is from my own personal experience or kind of what what I'm going through right now with my son is I noticed one of the things you see on your homepage of your website is kind of, what are you dealing with terrible twos I don't I don't remember if it says exactly terrible twos, but the FU fours yes yeah that's a real thing (laughs) like I didn't get terrible twos with my son I didn't get the three-nager he's always just been kind of a good kid and I am so blessed with that but now I'm like okay Connor clean your room no I don't want to okay but you you have to because you know you have to, it's kind of your responsibility. <laughs> I don't want to. And then he'll go off and do whatever he wants. So yeah. it is no joke. The fu force. He has an opinion. He knows how to use it. He has an attitude. Yeah. He has, I don't know. What else does he have? He has that little smirk too. The smirks all started when I'm trying uh-huh. to discipline and he's smirking at me and I'm like, Oh my
1: God. <laughs> yes. You know, it's often people, call the twos the terrible twos because kids have realized they have some autonomy. They're not connected to us. You mm-hmm. know, when they're babies, they really don't differentiate between themselves and their mother. They think they are one and the same. They believe that right. they are this combined entity. And so as they move into that toddlerhood, they start to realize, oh, wait a second. I actually can make a choice of my own and there's this cool word i've discovered and i'm gonna use it as much as possible and Mm -hmm. we all know what that word is (laughs) and as they move through toddlerhood and as you said for your son connor you know they they form opinions they can think about things in much more um, elaborate ways than they could when they were toddlers and so I have those on my website because I think it resonates with a lot of parents. They, they feel those struggles at that time. But truth be told, one of the things that I think actually leads, and I know we'll talk about yelling at some point, but one of the things that actually leads a lot of us to be yelling more and be so reactive is because we keep viewing these behaviors as problematic rather mm-hmm. than as expected, right? And so I often joke that if we have a a sort of curse word name for every stage in childhood, then maybe it's not the stage of childhood that's the problem, but how we're viewing them, right? Because Mm -hmm. these are stages that kids go through. And yes, they are. They feel like the effing force sometimes. Absolutely. But when we shift our mindset a little bit, and hopefully we can talk a little bit more about that, that really helps to diffuse some of that and, and help us to be less reactive in those moments too.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm trying really hard. This may be something you might, we can probably dive into a little bit later as well, but I'm trying really hard to put my son in my shoes, if that makes sense. So I read something once where it was like, you know, exactly what you said, We label these behaviors as bad yeah but I wake up sometimes and I'm an asshole
1: yes you know what I mean so
0: and I don't give anybody like I don't I just think that's fine like you know if I wake up and for example when I'm about to get my period I know I'm moody and I will point blank tell my husband I'm not in a good mood like don't mess with me Right. And like he just has to be okay with that. So Right. I have been trying to put my my toddler my toddler who is 2 and Connor in my shoes when they're in that
1: mood because I'm like maybe they're just pissy. Yes. And it's that's okay. Yes, it absolutely is. And it sounds silly to say, but sometimes we forget that they're humans, they are we do. humans with varying emotions. And like you said, sometimes I'm in a pissy mood for probably not even any reason, just whatever that particular right. moment, day, whatever, I'm in a pissy mood. And I thankfully don't have somebody hovering over me all the time commenting on my mood and noticing my mood and, and which would Pissed me off even more.
0: <laughs> right. But- so if you had someone there be like, So are you hungry? Are you tired? Exactly. Are you the- why are you acting like this today? Exactly. Exactly. So I love you know that it- you do that. That's so great. It's been hard, but the first time I read that, I was just like, wow. Like yeah. it kind of really took me back. Like You know, sometimes I'm sure that's just all of our kids' issue is they're just not happy and that's fine. Yeah. And we've been better at having these conversations. And now my son will say to me, I'm just having a sad day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. And he seems to be much happier with that. And me just leaving him alone, do what he wants to do rather than harping on him because he's crying or whatever. um, It seems to work better.
1: Absolutely, and what I love about what you're saying too is that you're not jumping in to fix the emotion, right? That you're mm. allowing him to have that emotion. Yes, and we used to do that. It's hard because as parents, I don't know if you feel this way sometimes with your with your two kids, but many of us, we get triggered when we see our kids experiencing some kind of unhappiness, sadness, frustration, and we want to make it go away as opposed yeah. to just allowing it to ebb and flow the way that feelings come and go for all of us. So that's this great might, that you can let that ride out.
0: Yeah, thank you. This might sound silly, but as you said that, I wonder, you know when they're really little, when they're a newborn, and they cry, they cry for a reason, and we fix it, and they stop yeah. crying. Yeah. Do you think that happens? Like, like that's just kind of the what we do as moms, and- we try and quote unquote, fix them. However, we think we can fix them because when they were newborns, that's what we did. They cried and you did something until they stopped crying. And generally you didn't just let them cry it out. Right. So I wonder when they're older, I guess we kind of try and do the same thing, Yeah. but really we can just not really let them cry it out per se, but maybe just allow them to feel what they're feeling. That's And if they have to cry, then we can let them cry.
1: That's exactly right. And I used to run a lot of um, baby groups. And when I talked about that with with parents, I would often say, listen, even as even when they're infants, your baby's going to cry sometimes. And sometimes you're going to be able to solve it. It's going Mm -hmm. to be tiredness, hunger, you know, cold, needing to move, whatever it is, the usual suspects. And other times, you're not going to know the answer. And We have to be okay with just being there with them. And like you said, holding space for that emotion, even when they're infants. And I often use the analogy of if you, as an adult, are frustrated about work, let's say, and you talk to one friend and you say, you know, my boss is being a jerk, and he was riding me for this that and the next thing and you're going off do you want the friend who's like okay here's what you're going to do you're going to go tomorrow and you're going to go talk to that boss and you're going to go blah blah blah. or do you want the friend who's like that sounds awful hold on let me get you a glass of water we're going to sit and talk about it i'm listening you know that's what you want right and it's that ability for someone to hold space for your emotions and so to be able to do that for our kids not only, first of all, takes some pressure off of us as parents to not feel like we have to solve every emotion that comes up, but mm-hmm. it also shows your kids that emotions are okay and they're tolerable and that they can get through that. Because one thing I think we've all seen is adults who don't know how to tolerate emotion. And so they mm-hmm. chase it away in all kinds of <laughs>
0: You're looking at her.
1: Yeah. They chased it away with all kinds of things, right? Shopping, alcohol, addiction, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Because
0: yeah.
1: emotion is so intolerable. But when we, from very little, show that emotions are a natural and normal part of being human, and that I can sit there with you, and yes, if there's something that we can do that helps, we might do that in other times. I'll just sit there and hold that space for you as you as you perfectly sad. What an mm-hmm. amazing thing that we can teach our kids from and ourselves, <laughs> you know, from the get go. For sure.
0: Yeah. I think that's something that my kids are teaching me cuz my yeah. parents did not do emotions. Even to this day when I try and like talk emotionally with my parents, I'm so uncomfortable. Right. So uncomfortable. Yeah. Um my husband's the same. Like his parents aren't lovey like my parents are very loving like we Mm -hmm. hugged and kissed and said I loved you and all that stuff um his parents did not so you know we're also trying to raise these children that have these big emotions Um, both of my children seem to be sensitive yeah so it's been it's been a struggle for us but Mm. I think we're navigating through it and I am finding that you know if anybody else is listening and they're struggling with it i am finding that actually talking to your children about their emotions is so much more helpful yeah or if i just sit with connor especially since he's kind of able to understand his emotions like scarlett's too so she's yeah. just dramatic in her own little way yeah. um her emotions are consistent of like if i didn't let her eat something <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. whereas like connor will say stuff like, this hurts my feelings when you do that. And so as much as sometimes it guts me when he says those things, I'm like pat myself on the back. Cause I'm like, I feel like we're doing, we're going in the right direction because he is actually saying, this is how you make me feel when you do this.
1: Yes. Yeah. You're doing the work. So,
0: we're trying. Yeah. So anyone who's listening, if you think it's ridiculous, I swear to you, try it. Cause at first I thought, There's no way in hell I could do that. And the first couple of times I did it, I was like, I feel like such an idiot, but (laughs) it's so helpful. It's, and it was helpful for me. You know, I didn't go down that shame cycle either. Right. Right. So, which is kind of leading me into this conversation of, I really do want to dive into the yelling, but I do really want your professional opinion because you see again, so much on social media, so much on Google, wherever on the time in and the time out. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this
1: yeah. time in versus time out? Sure. So, you know, the thing is the research on timeout out um, shows that there may be some immediate benefit in so far as you might see increased compliance, right? But compliance is a dangerous word and compliance comes at a cost, right? And mm-hmm. so, Often you might see increased compliance at that moment, mostly out of fear, but ultimately it's a short-term gain for long-term pain, as I often say, because what it ends up doing is it increases power struggles that happen in a family, and Mm -hmm. it erodes the relationship little bit by little bit. And ultimately, you know, your relationship is really the foundation of discipline, our children do what we ask them to do, hopefully, because we have established a relationship of mutual respect and that that's how families function. And when we shift into these power struggles and these sort of top-down control-based strategies, we erode the power of our relationship to help solve problems. And so timeouts don't work, first of all, because of that. And As I've said many times, most kids when told to go sit in the room and reflect on what they did, uh, first of all, they don't have the cognitive capacity to reflect on their behavior. That's not an intellectual ability that they even have at that age. And what they are doing is just, if they are going at all willingly, which 95% of the time that's not what happens, these you know, parents will pick up their kid by the hand and it starts gently and then the parent, the child resists and then they're in a battle just getting the child to the room. Sometimes they're at the door holding the door closed so the child doesn't leave the room. So it's right. it's a shit show really of, you it know, really what what's happening there and nobody is learning anything in those moments. You know, the child's fight or flight system is being activated. They're scared and they don't feel safe. And when that happens, learning is shut down. So we can't learn if we're not available to learn. And when our fight or flight system is activated, we're not available to learn. So no learning is happening in those moments, no matter what lesson we think we're teaching them as parents, they're not learning anything. The only thing they're learning is that this is the pattern of how they relate to you and how you solve problems. And so it ends up creating more problems than, than we think it solves. So I don't do timeouts. It also sort of sends the message to kids that in in my time of need or my my biggest you know challenging time when I'm dysregulated, meaning like I'm not in control of my emotions, you're gonna send me away from you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not gonna be with me. And there's this interesting phenomenon that happens that if we go back to kind of infancy, like you talked about before, most of us as parents accept that as parents of infants, it's our job to regulate them. And by that I mean when we notice that they're tired or hungry or, or cold, we do something to help them and that helps keep them in a calm and regulated state. But suddenly kids stand up and start to walk and we think, great, we're done. We don't need to help them co-regulate anymore. But the truth is they they really need us to co-regulate them, meaning that they have to borrow our ability to calm and manage emotions to help them do it. And if we send them to their rooms to do that in time out, they don't have the skills to calm themselves and and do that. They might sort of peter out over time, you know, their their tantrum is going to eventually die down. But that's not because they learned how to manage that emotion. It just ran its course eventually. Mm -hmm. So we're missing an opportunity to start teaching them how to navigate emotions and that's where that time in idea comes in is that i can still hold a limit for example it's not okay for you to hit your sister and Mm -hmm. if you're starting to be out of control and you're maybe throwing things and we need to go to a calmer room i can go with you and we can sit and i can breathe next to you even if you're not willing to take some deep breaths with me Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: or i can offer you a hug or i can sit and look at a book with you and I can, you know, take a sip of cold water, I can model and engage in these self-regulation strategies, these things that help calm us down, in order to help you eventually learn these skills. And it takes time, you know, these are seeds that we're planting, they don't happen right away. But we try to plant those seeds so that as they develop these you know self-regulation skills as their brains mature they have them there in their toolbox but mm-hmm. we're not building a toolbox if we're just sending them to timeout
0: that is interesting and i like that because i noticed it myself so i i was always very like pro timeout yeah and with connor and it doesn't work with him yeah it just doesn't like he's too emotional Yeah. And I noticed that and I felt worse when I put him in timeout. Right. And I was just told by my parents, like, you know, that's what we did. And so that's what I did. And it backfired in my face. Like I found when I punished him, it would backfire in my face every time. When we were potty training, I can just give you an example. We, he did great. And then he went through this phase where, um, he has like a little bit of like social, anxiety maybe or he just doesn't love socializing so when he would go to daycare he -hmm. would pee his pants he wouldn't tell anyone he would just pee his pants and like you know probably three four times and then she'd be like he was soaking wet so then he would do it when we were out and about Mm -hmm. um you know he just so we were trying and we we started you know saying to him you know that you know we're, we're gonna put you in timeout or we're gonna take away a toy or whatever whatever and he would do it more. Right. So I was like, this isn't working. And right. so we started doing, um, a chart. Yeah. So every time that he didn't pee his pants for yeah. the full day, he would get sicker. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he stopped peeing his pants.
1: Right. Right. So
0: I see what you're saying. And it was like, when we didn't yell at him for peeing his pants, he yeah. did better but i had to figure that out but sometimes you don't get lucky and you don't get to figure that out you just keep doing yes. it and then you're like why is my child broken why are they not listening to what i'm saying right. why is time out not working and some people just keep doing it right so yeah thanks for explaining that do you believe in like a time and space like i've seen things where it's like this is like a time in chair and they can have their ipad or something where they just have a moment to just calm themselves down or what you were saying is i guess it's just as easy as let's just go into the other room let's have a conversation hug yeah. it out breathe it out yeah whatever
1: i mean listen i think that like many things in parenting i don't want people to be getting caught up in creating this pinterest worthy calming corner right like <laughs> that's what i've seen the calming corner Yes, exactly. It's it's not about that. And yes, that's great. If you have a space that is consistent, that your child identifies as a place where they can go, great. But it doesn't have to be this elaborate cocoon in its own area with all right. these things at the ready. It just right. needs to be a place where it's probably free from some sensory distractions. So a little bit of buffer from noise and a place that's a lot of kids like more enclosed spaces so a room is okay but you know some kids really do like those sort of ikea egg chairs with the the front that comes down but those things are not necessary right i often say having a couple of things handy like um, a bottle of water and a snack and maybe preferred teddy bear and you know maybe some crayons and paper just a book, like having just a few things handy that can be go-tos in any quiet space is is fine. And some kids actually, especially if they're really having a pretty big meltdown, trying to move them to another room is counterproductive.
0: Yeah. And so it's, you
1: almost make them more mad. Yes, exactly. And so if you, if you're able to, and they're not you know, harming anyone around them, then you might as well just try to calm the situation right right there where they are. And if they're amenable to going somewhere else, yes, absolutely. But to force it just because they're having a meltdown as though meltdowns have to happen in a in an in enclosed private space is unnecessary and generally inviting more power struggles.
0: Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's like setting you up to fail right off the top. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So something that my listeners had really wanted us to talk about, and I know I'm really interested to talking to you about it, is yelling. Yeah. I'm a yeller. Yeah. So I don't know if um, if we had ever talked about this, but like off the podcast, but previously I have struggled with postpartum rage. So yeah. I found when I became a mother of two, I became a yeller and I know yeah. that came with the anxiety from the postpartum. Yeah. But it's been something that has stuck around and I had parents who yelled. Yeah. So I think we're just kind of bred from what we know and I'm working on it and it's something I'm much better at, but I still lose my shit sometimes. Yeah. And You, I feel like as parents, we go down this horrible shame cycle when we do it, because especially right now in the pandemic, we're all stuck at home. Like we're all losing our minds. So our kids get too loud and we're triggered because we're already so high strung about everything and we lose our minds. So what could be some advice for you? Can we just talk about yelling first, actually? Like, yeah what the effects can be on your children if you're constantly yelling at them because I think some people are really concerned
1: about am I totally going to screw them up if I continue to yell at them all the time right so first of all I want to say that you know it's one of the things I love about your podcast is you talking about postpartum rage is so critical because you know people are starting to understand a little bit more about postpartum anxiety postpartum depression but postpartum rage which is very real and very intense for so many women. And so I love you for sharing that. And, you know, and we will talk about like you said, talk about some some tips and strategies. But in terms of the effects of yelling, I know that a lot of parents often try to help themselves feel a bit better about it by saying, you know, well, I'm not hitting my kid, you know, I'm not right. No, it's not physical abuse. And definitely great, you know, good and good that right. we're not hitting our kids. That's great. Um, but there are negative effects to yelling. Now, everyone loses their shit sometimes, right? Let's just right. put that I on the table. To, yes. Yeah, I think
0: we need to make that clear right away. Like so if you're important. listening to this, and you're like, I lose my shit on your my kids all the time. Everybody does. Every mom does. Every mom who says that she doesn't, she's lying. Yes, Exactly. But I think this is more for people who had reached out to me and said, like, I yell at my kids a lot. I'm yep. freaked out that I'm not doing the right thing. Like, I right. know, hey, I used to be one of them and it's something yeah. some weekends go by and I'm like, my God, I lost my shit yeah. every single day this weekend. Yeah. You know, yeah. what are some better strategies we can do? And we're worried we're screwing them up.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, in terms of what the research shows, there there is some research to show that kids who were who experienced any kind of punitive discipline, which included yelling, and it was researched separately from physical punishment. So it's not lumped in with that. But those punitive like yelling, screaming, those kinds of approaches did increase behavior problems in kids. Mm-hmm. And so really it just increases the things that we think that we're, you know, trying I was just to just gonna to say help. that.
0: Yeah. Like everything we've learned from our parents, I'm, I'm talking, speaking from my parents, but so I'm in my thirties. So most of the people who are listening, I find are in my age group. So our parents are in their fifties, sixties. And so they all probably have the same kind of parenting style where it was, we yelled at our kids, we put them on timeout, you know, we spanked them or whatever. And so it's mind blowing to me that I'm like, so the reason I didn't listen my whole life is because what you did was actually the wrong way of doing
1: everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, you know it's. As we learn more, we we hopefully do better, right? And totally, and nobody, nobody was researching. You know, no. I mean, I I'm we're all trying our best, and yes. And nobody was researching the effects of yelling when 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 I was a kid. Certainly, no. I don't think
0: they cared as much. Right <laughs> now, we're doing a lot more research. Right.
1: Um, but so listen. Yes, there is a research that says that it can be detrimental and that it can increase the things that we're trying to trying to reduce. But as you said, there, everyone loses it sometimes, and it's so much more about good enough parenting. Right. I can't stress that enough. And good enough parenting means that we have a pattern of responsive parenting, meaning that if if a good chunk of the time we respond in an attuned way, meaning we can read their cues well and respond appropriately without losing it, then we're in a good position. And when we do go off course, we meet ourselves with compassion, right? We extend ourselves compassion and we repair. And for those of us who, had yellers as parents, um, many times they didn't repair. Right. So having that repair from a parent is a powerful thing, even in and of itself. So, yes. you know, we can first acknowledge that that piece of it. Um, but in terms of sort of alternatives, I think it's it's not enough just to say what to do instead. I think we really need to know like why we're doing it to begin with right? Mm-hmm. Because as much as I can tell somebody to take a deep breath, and, you know, I don't think that's any earth shattering news that your listeners have been waiting to hear, right? Totally. But um, we really need to look at the why. And for some of us, the why is because we, um, we are anxious about when our child misbehaves, so-called misbehaves, What does that mean for them as they get older? What does that mean for me as a parent? Does that mean I'm doing a shitty job as a parent? Mm -hmm. You know? And I often say what are people thinking of me? And I often say, your child's behavior is not a report card on you. Right? So it feels
0: that way sometimes. So totally.
1: I agree. I agree. I don't know
0: why. I don't know who does that to us. We do it to ourselves, really. Yeah.
1: And I I also am victim to that as well. So when I say that, I'm reminding myself as much as everybody else. Mm -hmm. but it's not and their behavior is not about us all right and when we react so strongly often it's because we're triggered and we feel threatened like our ego feels threatened i'm not a good parent how could if i was a good parent they wouldn't be doing this and so we kind of rev up right and other times it can be sort of the the little girl in us that's being activated so for example if our child shows an emotion that we were not really allowed to express when we were kids, right? Like talking back or being frustrated with something or expressing dislike about something, then our inner child is going to try to shut that down pretty quickly, right? Because that's what we've, that's what we lived. And so sometimes our reactions to our kids are super strong because our defensive little self is going, nope, shut that down, that's not allowed, that's not okay right? But that's when we have to say like, all right, you know, I know that you're trying to protect me, but I don't need you anymore. Little one, you're safe and and I can handle this. And so knowing some of those things can be helpful. And then another thing to think about is that, as we said, everyone loses it sometimes. But if we're losing it frequently, that's a good red flag that probably something is off in terms of our own self-care, right? Mm-hmm. And so I know for, for me, I've often made the joke that my son seems to be really more challenging around the same time every month (laughs) Mm -hmm. don't they though (laughs) yeah so clearly it's not him
0: (laughs) right that is a definitely a you problem but i mean yeah you're self-aware yeah (laughs) sometimes (laughs) not always and i'm just gonna put it out there like when you're a mom and about to get your period you get a golden ticket yeah yeah (laughs) Sometimes.
1: Yeah, but so all that to say that, you know, and another thing that I know I'm hugely guilty of as a parent is that I, you know, I try not to, you know, once I pick my kids up from school, I try to focus on them, I try to be with them. And so I tend to leave all of my administrative work stuff till after they've gone to bed. And, but then I also want some downtime. And so all of that gets pushed into the really late night. And then I'm not getting enough sleep. And when I do that chronically, then I notice it. I notice it in my mood. I'm more irritable, more snappy, a little more sarcastic, (laughs) like all of those things come out. And so when we notice that our pattern of responsiveness is shifting a little bit more toward where we don't want it to be, we need to step back and say, okay, what do I need to shift to get myself back on track to be able to have a little bit more space, you know, in, you know, my patient's level to be able to respond the way I would like to respond more of the time. I'm never going to respond the way I want to respond 100% of the time. But right. what can I do to position myself to best respond as much as I can, as much as any human can in those conditions? Yeah. So that's part of it. Is-
0: I love that you said that because I think one of the biggest things about my podcast is you know, me talking about my mental health journeys. And I've been finding like through these different experiences, through my own motherhood experience, but then through other women's journeys, like it all comes down to like us not taking care of ourselves. And when you don't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of your children. You will never be the best version of whatever kind of mother you want to be if you're not taking care of yourself. So thank you for saying that, because I think we beat ourselves up so much as moms when we start yelling at our kids and we feel like they're out of control or we're out of control or whatever, but it is us. Yeah. And it's because we are doing, you know, too much for them or too much for our husbands or too much at work. And especially right now, it's crazy because everybody's at home. Yeah. like So for those of you that are listening, Tamara and myself are both in lockdown. So we're, we're stay at home orders here. Uh, Tamara's got a curfew where she is. We we can't go anywhere. So it's crazy that I'm not taking enough time for myself when I don't have anything else to do.
1: (laughs) Right. That's it. But we don't do it. Right. And, you know, the other thing that I want to add is that although I'm saying that those, patterns are signals to us to look at what we need to change about ourselves it's not about blame and it's not about you know this is your fault it's just a sign it's just a signal and then we we pay attention to those signals right and that's it so it's not it's not blaming and it's not it's certainly not shaming it's just looking at it and saying okay what do do i need to shift and often when we're when we're yelling frequently we either need to shift our self-care or shift our expectations. Those, yes. are the, those are the two main things that I would say if I had to distill it down, those are the two things that we need to look at. So either our expectations are off, meaning that if your child is giving you the same reaction to the same situation over and over again, the problem is not your child. The problem is expecting that they can do that better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when we get caught up in what I often call the case of the shoulds, right? You should be able to do this without me helping you. You should be able to brush your teeth without me reminding you 10 times along the way, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And when we get locked in those case of the shoulds, that's when we lose it because we think it can happen and it's not happening and it's chronically not happening. So we lose it. But if it's chronically not happening, they're telling you that regardless of what you think should be happening, they're not able to do it. So When we shift our expectations a little bit and try to scaffold meaning like support them a little bit more on that journey then often that that changes a lot so we look at those two things is it my self-care or my expectations and if we can look at those two areas with some honesty and self reflection often there's where you'll get some big bang for your buck in terms of shifting your reactions
0: awesome no thank you for saying that because yeah as i was as you were saying it, I'm like, yeah, I think that's so important that moms that are listening know that no one's shaming you. If you yell, no one's shaming you. And if you don't take care of yourself, no one's shaming you. But it is something, it's just such a red flag. And I don't think that anyone will really understand it until until that behavior within themselves changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So thank you for explaining that. And the expectation thing, like I'm sure everyone who's listening is going to be like, yep, I've done that. (laughs) Even I think when you have multiple children, that was a huge issue of mine when Scarlett was little because it was like, well, why isn't she sleeping through the night yet? Connor was.
1: Yeah. And then you
0: like, you have to come back down from wherever the hell you are. And you're like, well, her name, that's Scarlett. I don't know if you know that, but that's not Connor. (laughs) So it is crazy how we do these expectations within ourselves, but then we, we put our own expectations on our children and get frustrated with them when they're not
1: meeting them that we didn't, right. they don't even know we put on them. That's right. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, I have twins. And so I know all about how, you know, those differences manifest, even when they're the exact, literally the exact same age. Oh my gosh, but, yeah, that
0: would be crazy. I didn't even think of that. Like during yeah. sleeping through the night,
1: why aren't you? Yes. You were born two minutes before this one. <laughs> yes. Or why are neither of you sleeping through the night and I'm exhausted? Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> but yeah, but you know, eg- exactly what you said. I think about, for example, in the mornings when, you know, for especially when we started this school year and after the chaos of the spring and, and so on, when we started the school year, I was trying to ease them in to the early wake-ups again, because one thing we mm-hmm. did enjoy about that period was really not having to wake up early for school. And so I'm trying to ease them back into that. And so I would push it kind of to the last minute so that they got the most sleep, but then I'm butting heads with my son, who definitely is a meanderer when he's doing jobs, <laughs> and and I'm rushing him, and I'm thinking, and you know, every once in a while, I need my husband who's more, you know, more objective and can see outside of me and be like, wait a second, you know, you're really on him this morning. And that's I'm like, right, you know, my trying to let them sleep to the last minute is just shooting me in the foot. It's not right. helping, I have to remember that he needs the meandering time. And so I got to walk that back. And so again, our expectations and, and shifting, what do I need to do differently to change sort of the infrastructure of the situation to make it more likely for them to succeed and then for me to succeed, right? So often Mm -hmm. when, when parents ask me about, like, how do I solve X problem? What do I do when my kid does this? And more often than not, it's not really about what you do when they do that. So for example, you know, it's not about what I do in that moment when my son's meandering in the morning. It's about solving the problem at the back end so that that is not a problem, right? And so it's pulling back in a way to see bigger picture. So again, when our reactions are sort of disproportionate to a problem, let's zoom out a little bit and say, what is it that I can adjust in this situation that's going to make us all more likely to succeed?
0: Yeah, no, that's great advice. What would be your advice to a parent like myself who? Is getting better at yelling and they do lose their shit on their kids. So, if I can tell you what I've been doing, yeah, is after I do it, instead of allowing myself to go back down that shame cycle, I do give myself compassion in my head. And then I go to my kids and I apologize for it. Yeah. And I just tell them, I'm really sorry. That is not okay for me to yell at you like that. I'm very frustrated because you did whatever. But I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I try and explain where my emotions were coming from, but then also acknowledge like, that's not cool. And I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Is that the right way to handle those things? Or what would your advice be?
1: Yeah, you know, I think some psychologists would give differing opinions. And but I think the repair is important. And so I think apologizing is great modeling. I think that some people are concerned because you're they view it as putting a lot of weight on your child to kind of forgive you for your for your, you know, whatever that right. happened. But what I would say is that often when when I apologize to my kids and if they say it's okay, mommy, I often say, Nope. And, you know, all you have to do is say you know, thank you for your apology or something like that, right? They don't have to say, oh, it's okay, because mm-hmm. it's not okay. And I don't want them to learn that just because someone apologizes for something excuses the behavior or that mm-hmm. it's their job to, you know, extend me forgiveness. It's not their right. job to extend me forgiveness. It's my job to take responsibility. And so so I do think that's important and I love that you do that. Um, and one of the things that that I find helpful especially if you have, you know, an older older child meaning not a toddler, um, mm-hmm. is to to talk to them about your commitment to trying to yell less. And so you can kind of hold each other accountable for things like, okay, so you're going to work on this and I'm going to work on this and when mommy, you know, m- m- missteps, you're going to remind mommy and I'm going to remind you when you misstep in this way. And so I like being sort of open and honest and upfront with our kids. And like you said, when we inevitably misstep, we give ourselves that compassion and then we come back and say, this is what happened and I'm sorry. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that I'll add there is that sometimes parents will do that before they're truly calm. And the risk in that is that what often happens is they go, I'm sorry that I yelled at you, but you really blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And they go down the, but and then go all over again about what their kid did wrong.
0: Right. So, I'm sorry I yelled, but I yelled because you did this and you yes. did you did this and you, this and you exactly. made me this way.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we want to yeah, kind okay. of avoid that and so we want to make sure that really we've taken a moment for ourselves because you know, we we have to take that moment to calm in order to come back to that situation. And then we can come back with sincerity and and integrity and and take responsibility for that misstep and it will happen again in the future at some point but it does get easier over time
0: i love it no thank you that's helpful and i'm going to remember that and i do make sure that i'm cool as a cucumber when i have (laughs) that conversation because i know that's what i'm going to do like i yelled because you did this and you made me feel this way and then all of a sudden now mad all over again (laughs) yes exactly. exactly and uh i do want to share with you because now that you said like older kids so with my lovely fu four-year-old because yeah. he's getting real witty yeah because we have this open relationship we do talk about emotions a lot and we're getting much much better on this and i noticed some things that he says i'm like yes like you know it's and we're having good conversations clearly because he will come back at me but last weekend he says to my husband Don't say that because mom's going to get mad. I forget what it was. And then I was like, I'm not going to get mad. He's like, you always get mad with stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, he's calling me out on my shit now. (laughs) He's calling me out. Yeah, I think we're being too open and
1: honest here. (laughs) Yes. It's, you know, kids are a powerful mirror sometimes.
0: (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to get mad about that. He's like, yeah, you would. Okay, maybe I would, but now I'm not going (laughs) to. (laughs)
1: that's it yeah i know they're powerful aren't they they are and uh those those moments when you hear your own voice reflected in your child too (laughs) you're like oh that that doesn't sound as good coming out of you
0: (laughs) no it's almost as bad when i hear sorry mom but almost as bad as when i hear my mother come out of my own mouth (laughs)
1: yes that's right and that's such a great point because you know i those inherited scripts right those those things that we as parents may have heard from our own parents mm-hmm. that just kind of fall out of our mouths we don't even totally. you know think about them and the example that that I have used before is my kids drinking milk with a straw and blowing bubbles in the milk and my immediate reaction was stop blowing bubbles and then i had to think about like wait a second <laughs> why
0: right why (laughs) exactly
1: was i concerned about what happened there and uh, the same thing (laughs) well that's it right and it's these it's these scripts that we that we inherit and we may have inherited them from our parents or from from wherever from culture you know more wider culture but these unexamined scripts are are dangerous because they really do put us in this position where we're in these top down control based modes often when we don't examine those and we don't step back because when we're saying no to blowing bubbles in our milk, as I did that day, you know, Mm -hmm. then we're really setting them up to really kind of push back against us because we're controlling things that are so unnecessary to be controlled, right? So clearly I have my own, you know, we all have our own stuff that we work through and when we're like, whoa, where did that come from?
0: We are all good parents and we all have things that we'll have to
1: work on through this whole
0: process. And even then, when we think we're perfect parents, something will come up and we'll be like, damn it. Now I have this to work on. (laughs) So thank you for validating all of that for us. And that it is normal to yell at your kids, guys. It's normal to lose your shit. And if you notice a change in your behavior, then like Tamara said, just evaluate the situation and see what it is that's going on. Yeah. um, If you're not usually someone who yells and hopefully we were able to give you some tips. If you are someone who usually yells it would like to change their behavior. Well, thank you so, so, so much. I appreciate your time and all of your advice. I would love to give you a chance to tell my listeners where they can find you. Tamara also has her own podcast. And I know that you also said that you have some free webinars coming out. Um, yes, so I would I, love for you to share that with my audience, please.
1: Thank you. So yes, I do. I have I have an online parenting course that's going to be launching in February. But before that, I have a free webinar that's going to be um, released the first week of February. So there'll be three live sort of master classes on Ending Power Struggles, and exactly what we're talking about today. So the masterclass is called No More Power Struggles, uh, Three Essential Parenting Shifts to Raise a Secure Child Without Raising Your Voice. And so if they want more information about that, you can go to my website, which is drtamarasouls.com forward slash masterclass. And so you can sign up for the free webinar there. But also on my website, you can sign up for my weekly... Um, email where I just send quick parenting sort of wins and tips each week very simple because I know everyone's inboxes are flooded with all kinds of newsletters so I try to keep them short and to the point point. Um, and people can check out my website drtamarasouls.com and as you said I have a podcast called this hour has 50 minutes and I talk to other therapists about all kinds of topics that that really range so if you're interested you can look at that as well
0: Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Uh, I will also make sure that in the show notes, all of the information is there so they can find easily click there. If, you know, if
1: you're freaking out thinking I don't have a pen, click on the
0: show notes and it'll be there.
1: Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you and thank you for all you do for moms out there.
0: Thank you so, so much. Well, guys, I will talk to you again soon next week and uh, thanks again for listening. See you later.